You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of the Bose Nose Show. I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, where we wash our hands. Yes, we wash our hands here in the beautiful state of Oregon because it has clearly been proven to be the most active defense you can do personally against the coronavirus. Um, in fact, that was a question I specifically asked Dr. Patrick Lugke, our public health officer um, for the, the Lane County. Um, and those of you that might be listening outside of Oregon, in the state of Oregon, the county governments act as the Board of Health, um, not the cities. It's the counties that are the Board of Health. And uh, we have the public health departments that are on the ground and are the people charged with um, identifying and tracking communicable diseases and trying to contain them, um, helping to contain them in the community. So that's really, um, you know, ground zero for for the county. And we met yesterday as the uh, Board of Health. And in that meeting, we got a briefing from uh, our director of the Department of, of public health and our public health officer, who is Dr. Patrick Lubke, um, our director of public health um, was also there, our director of health and human services. So yeah, we had the professionals there uh, talking to us. And I asked Dr. Pat, as he's affectionately known around the county, um, hand soap, um, hand sanitizer, and antibacterials, in what order are they most effective? And he said, hand soap by far, you know, because, you know, and I, and I put something up on, on my personal page, and I'll probably put it up on my, my uh, Westland County Commissioner page and, and KRBN Internet page, an article uh, that talks about why hand, the science behind why hand soap is so effective against viruses. But it's basically that, um, that mechanism that that gets the dirt off of you also um, destroys the membranes that contain the viruses, RNA, and it basically kills them uh, very quickly. And uh, it takes just 20 seconds of soaping up your hands, and they mean get it all sudsy, and, and basically sing yourself happy birthday twice is about 20 seconds. And uh, you're, you're good to go as far as keeping your hands sanitized and killing the viruses on your hands, along with doing things like, you know, being disciplined about not touching your face and also, um, you know, covering your cough. So if you are getting sick or just happen to be one of these asymptomatic carriers, which is one of the issues about COVID-19, is 81% of the people that get it don't show any symptoms at all or such mild symptoms, they don't realize they have it. So that's one of the problems is four out of five people that are carrying the virus don't know they are. So whether you feel sick or not, cover your cough, cover your sneezes. You may be spreading that virus around. Um, just, you know, that that's very important too. But basically, Dr. Lucky said, hand soap by far the best, second best thing is hand sanitizer and hand sanitizer with 60% alcohol content or higher. And it's the alcohol that kills viruses, not the benzo, whatever it is that, that kills bacteria. You know, the antibacterials actually are not very effective against viruses. 
the reason they put antibacterials in there is bacteria has a much stronger cell membrane and all that stuff. And you have to have stuff that's going to get into the bacteria and kill it, um, you know, to actually have bacterial killing power. Although soap does a really good job on bacteria because it removes it from your hands, not necessarily kills it. Um, so again, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. If you didn't notice in the promo for the show, I was trying to subliminate pound that into everybody. You want to protect yourself and your family and your friends, wash your hands, you know, regularly, uh, several times a day, even when you don't go to the restroom, you know, just stop and wash your hands. Um, it's one of the best defenses. Don't touch your face. Uh, just in case you have touched something in between washing your hands uh, and cover your cough. If you do feel sick, um, stay home and don't go to your doctor's office. Call your doctor and, and, and arrange to get um, seen because they will, they will arrange to um, screen you in a, in a way that doesn't expose other patients to you. Um, whether you know it's meeting you outside where where they have PPE or have it coming in a separate entrance, so they can do things like take your temperature and, and see if you're you know have the correct symptoms for COVID-19, uh, and then ultimately maybe take some blood and get sent off to the central labs and, and have you self-isolate, um, you know that that sort of thing. But you know it's important, you know, just to practice a little bit of social. Um, distancing, you know, you know, it's time to, you know, maybe not do the high fives and, and the handshakes and the bear hugs and stuff like that. Uh, and, and, you know, maintain a little distance from people. Uh, it might be a good idea if you're over 60 or you have um, some certain health complications, particularly things that are cardio and pulmonary related, um, like uh, having asthma or having, you know, um, you know, you know, cancers and stuff like that, or, you know, you know various uh, health conditions, thinking about maybe not attending large gatherings and having that, that possibility of exposure because four out of five people don't know they have the virus. You know, that's, that's the biggest problem about this virus and it's our ability to contain it is, if it was just a matter of being able to, you know, set up infrared cameras to spot people that have over 98.6 temperatures at, at airports and other places, that'd be great. But there are people that aren't showing even an elevated temperature that are carrying the virus. One of the nice things, though, is that 80%, once they've gone through the two weeks of having the virus and it's passed through their system, they then have the antibodies and will not you know, necessarily get reinfected or be a carrier again um, and remove themselves from the possible population that could get COVID-19. But the biggest message that Dr. Pat gave us, and he said in studies it's been proven that hand washing, not touching your face, covering your cough is 40% effective in preventing influenza which, by the way, kills tens of thousands of people every year in the U.S., yet we, uh, we're not panicking over influenza right now. Um, and COVID-19 is a little bit more serious than influenza. At least its current more estimated mortality rate is, is much higher than influenza at, at season, the normal seasonal influenza, not the Spanish flu from, 2000, from 1918. Um, but, you know, one of the things he said was doing those things is 40% effective from not getting influenza. You know, when they, they ask you to go around and get your flu shot every fall, those flu shots are approximately 40% effective. <laughs> so just hand washing, not touching your face, covering your cough and all that could prevent 40% of the COVID-19 infections. So, Please, please, everybody. That's why I have that wash your hands, wash your hands all the time, you know, is, is now a very important thing. You know, practice a little social distancing, you know, to help, you know, slow the spread. 
because the fact that four out of five people don't show symptoms, um, you know, travel bans at this point are almost pointless in some ways. It, it's very difficult. It, we're, this is not uh, easily contained. It's going to you know, end up in every county in Oregon eventually. Um, and uh, we really need to uh, need to just maybe slow the progression. You know, so we don't overwhelm our health systems with with people, you know, you know, wanting to be tested and and spreading it, and and then the people, the the small percentage of people that will get seriously ill and end up in the hospital, won't overwhelm the hospital systems. Um, if we can kind of keep the amount of people that actually are infected down with that simple personal hygiene and social distancing practices. Um, whether it's time to cancel large events, I'm not so sure about, because um, the, you know, for folks that are young and healthy, this doesn't have, it doesn't seem to be having that serious of an impact. Um, you know, it it's presenting like a mild flu at at worst in some of that population. So, do we want to stop all events, or do we want to just make sure that? elderly people and people with compromised immune systems, you know, stay away from those events and people that work or live or are family members in that population. So that's something to think about too, is be responsible for the people that, that you're around and particularly the people you care for. You know, I have to start thinking seriously since they identified asthma as one of the uh, complicating factors in this. My wife has asthma. So I'm going to be a lot more careful about how often I wash my hands and, and you know, my, my social distancing practices, because I don't want to bring it home and give it to her. Um, so, you know, that that's was the biggest takeaway I could I could give you on COVID-19 is you have a lot of control about this and it won't be buying toilet paper at Costco because <laughs> It's a respiratory disease, um, not not intestinal disease, um, but it's really about washing your hands. And it's not about having hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes and that sort of thing. It's just about, you know, simple Dawn dish detergent or um, ivory soap. That, that sudsing action of standard soap is what kills the virus. You know, and, and just wash your hands regularly. Try not to touch your face. Cover your cough. Stay home if you're sick. Um, you know, call your doctor if you're sick to make an appointment. Don't just walk in. And also um, practice a little social distancing. Be careful with, you know, your contact with elderly people. If you have been in large crowds and all that stuff, um, you might want to rethink whether you're going to go visit grandma in the nursing home. Um, if you just came from uh, being in, in very large crowds or, or, you know, flying in a, in a jet full of people. Um, just a little common sense. Um, but, you know, we are, you know, we will see uh, cases in Lane County eventually. Um, we haven't seen any yet as of today, no cases or, or even suspected cases in Lane County. Um, so we, we've dodged the bullet so far. I'm sure it will be here sooner or later. Um, you know, they had their first case in Multnomah County in Portland uh, reported today. Uh, and I, I, I just, can't imagine it's not going to, to travel around because that one case may have been exposed by one of those four out of five people that have no symptoms, and uh, that 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 person may still be running around infecting people. Um, so, you know, it, it's um, it's a serious disease. It's not as serious as some other past um, coronaviruses like the. Uh, uh, Middle Eastern um, Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS, that was was out at one point that had over a 30% mortality rate, or if everybody remembers SARS, which 
uh, had a about uh, almost a 10% mortality rate. Uh, right now, they're they're figuring the mortality rate for this is somewhere between one to two and a half percent, which is pretty significant, uh, and nothing to to um, to not be cautious about. You know, I you know I don't like those chances too much. You know, if I knew that you know two percent of the jelly beans in a bag might be poisonous, I don't think I'd be putting my hand in that bag and picking one out. Uh, <laughs> so um, it's you know just standard hygiene practices um, are really what's called for. And we're, you know, we're, we're actually taking steps to inform uh, senior facilities and working with senior facilities about, um, you know, limiting visitation. It, you know, there's a balance to be, be there because one of the issues with seniors, though, is social isolation is almost as bad for them as this virus in some ways because, they, you know, the, once they get into social isolation and depression, uh, they make it, it, their immune system drops also. So um, we have to be careful and think about ways maybe we can socialize with our elderly relatives um, remotely, FaceTime, you know, and working with staff at some of these facilities, maybe to set up FaceTime capabilities for families um, to, and, and just think about calling your elderly relatives and friends uh, more often over the next couple months. You know, just because they may be more socially isolated because, you know, there will be less visitation uh, in their facilities and less, um, you know, less social events. They won't be bringing them together in large groups as much or maybe taking them out for um, trips into the community. Um, so, you know, getting a phone call instead of once a week, maybe four or five times in that week from uh, from you would really be helpful in, 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 in trying to keep them from that social isolation. So just a couple takeaways there from what we heard from our public health professionals. Did not, you know, they were asked about uh, closing down large events and all that stuff. And one of the things Dr. Lugge pointed out was, you know, here, here we've got Washington State that's chosen 250 as the maximum number of people. There was another um, uh, area that made it 5,000 was the max that could be at any event. Uh, you know, it's like there's no science in any of those numbers you know, of, of those large gathering numbers. It, you know, they're completely random, no science backing to them. So what, what do we establish if we were to choose to start saying, you know, we're going to close down these large events to help prevent the spread? I think most people will make their own choices about what they're going to do socially. Understanding that, you know, this is a highly communicable disease. Uh, they're saying the transfer, you know, the the ability to pick it up is somewhere, I forget what the terminology they use, but basically the, the, the transmission rate um, between people is somewhere about 25 to 60%, they, you know, from exposure. Um, that's pretty high. Uh, you know, but if enough of us practice good hygiene and don't get exposed, uh, you know, we can keep that number down. And then, you know, of the cases, you know, only 19% actually show symptoms and, uh, you know, even less percent of those need hospitalization and then even a smaller percent may have, um, you know, end up dying from, from the disease. But still, you know, I think people can make their decisions based on understanding the real risk numbers. So the real risk numbers are, yes, it's got a higher mortality rate than seasonal influenza, which is somewhere around a half percent of people that contract seasonal influenza will actually die from it. And it's somewhere maybe around 2% of COVID-19. So, um, you know, we'll see whether that percentage drops as there's more cases in the Western world where there's better healthcare available. Um, we'll, you know, we'll find out over time. 
hopefully we'll see this thing eventually go away. Uh, MERS and SARS, which were both coronaviruses, um, had about a six-month run in the population and then and sporadic cases after that. Uh, and they basically had a bell-shaped curve of cases, you know, ramping up a peak and then a ramping down in that six months. So um, we're probably going to see continuation because we're on the on the going upside of the bell curve right now. And uh, I think people just need to, you know, think about what their risk factors are, what some of their family's risk factors are, and make good decisions about uh, concerning that. Uh, and I think, you know, one of the best things you can do is that whole personal hygiene end of this with washing your hands, don't touch your face, cover your cough, stay home if you're sick. Uh, practice some social distancing um, can do an awful lot to uh, Im improve your chances to, uh, you know, survive this, you know, global pandemic, which, by the way, there's lots of things that have been declared global pandemics in the past that you probably wouldn't even remember, um, you know, from Zika virus to whatever that, you know, never probably got got your attention. Um, maybe got some attention for folks down in Flor Florida with Zika virus and the mosquitoes down there, but we never really saw it here in Oregon. But that was a global pandemic also. Um, you know, the, the definition of pandemic is basically a disease that goes worldwide um, versus, a, a, you know, a disease that stays in a single country. Um, that's, you know, pan is, is global. <laughs> uh, basically. So uh, the fact that it was declared a pandemic doesn't make it any better or worse than, than it was before it was the declaration. It is what it is. It's here in on the West Coast and in the United States. Uh, it will continue to get more and more cases. Uh, it, so, um, you know, expect to see numbers go up. Um, but I would expect that with, with some education and folks practicing that personal hygiene, that maybe we won't see them go up as fast as they did in China and, and, and go quite as high as they did in China. Although, you know, we'll find out uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but just, you know, practice that, that personal hygiene. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. And if you have any questions about it, I'm going to give this number out a couple times here during the show. Lane County has set up a Q&A line on coronavirus, COVID-19, that will be open from Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., so it's already closed down for the day. But tomorrow morning at 9, if you want to give them a call, it's 541-682-1380. Again, that's 541-682-1380. Put that up on the uh, KRBM Blog Talk radio page. I'll put it up on my uh, Jay Bozovich Westland County Commissioner page. Again, it's 541-682-1380. I even think it's on the front page of the county's um, website right now. And that, that phone bank is being manned by public health officials um, that that are experts in all this stuff and can answer your questions if I haven't answered some of them for you today on the Bo's Nose Show. And with that, I'm going to change topics from coronavirus because I think we've probably beaten that to death in the news media lately. But I just want to kind of give people an update on what we're hearing from our public health officials. Uh, again, no cases in Lane County yet. Um, but I'm expecting them. And if you want to get in on Bo's Nose Show, if you have a question about coronavirus or you have a completely different topic you want to talk about, 646-721-9887 is the call-in number for the Bo's Nose Show, not the coronavirus hotline. And just press 1, and that's Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire. Know you want to get in on the conversation again, 646-721-9887. Just press 1 to get in on the Bo's Nose Show here on KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. And uh, we're going to 
change subjects a little bit and talk about executive orders and carbon caps and our governor and, oh my goodness, you know, we've talked a lot about the whole cap and trade stuff over the last month or two on the Bo's Nose Show, and we talked about it last year during the legislative session and uh, the year before, practically. It seems like this has been a, a, a recurring conversation on the Bo's Nose Show. But our governor has decided that she has legislative powers through executive order. I don't know how she's decided she has these powers, but she's decided to do it. So my guess is our governor is getting ready to waste several hundred thousand, if not millions of dollars of taxpayer money defending lawsuits for her illegal, ill-advised action she took yesterday in issuing her executive order, order on carbon. It is clear in the Oregon Constitution under Article 4, Section 1, Legislative Power, Initiative, and Referendum, under item one of that section one, the legislative power of the state, except for the initiative and referendum powers reserved to the people, is vested in the legislative assembly consisting of a Senate and a House of Representatives, period. Nowhere in that paragraph is the governor mentioned, nowhere. The governor is the chief executive under Article 5, Section 1, and has executive powers. But what she did in her executive order yesterday was create new law. You can't do that as a governor. You don't have that power. I don't care if you're concerned about the climate or not. You should be concerned about a governor that is going outside the powers of her office. Just as concerned as I am if President Trump was legislating through executive order. Just as I was when President Obama was trying to legislate through executive order. We have constitutions for a reason. They're put there to protect the rights of the people who created and gave power to those governments. So... You know, the biggest problem I have with her executive order has nothing to do with the content of her executive order except for the fact that it creates laws and sets up new legal constraints on our economy, which is establishing law, without going through the legislature first. I mean, the fact that she was frustrated and couldn't get the bill through the legislature um, doesn't matter. You can't just pick up your pen and create law as a governor. You only have executive powers. The only thing you're vested with is executing law that was created by the legislature and administrating the state. Creating law is not an administrative function. It's a legislative function. Article 4, Section 1, Item 1, the legislative power of the state is vested in the legislative assembly, not the governor's office. And, oh, my gosh, can you use children as a prop any more than you have so far, Kate Brown? Do you think those kids truly understand climate science? Do you think they really understand the impact of a carbon tax system on their lives? You're just using them as a prop. You know, which is sad. You should never use children as a prop. I don't care what side you're on. How dare you? Yeah. How dare me? Yeah. But I mean... When they're not capable of under, you know, completely understanding and they're not of an age to give informed consent, you know, for the same reason we have all these laws to protect minors, we shouldn't be using them as political props. 
Did they give informed consent to be used in that way? I mean, really think about that a, a, a little bit. You know, there, there's, you know, <laughs> there's so many other things that we would be throwing people in jail for using children without without informed consent. You know, <laughs> yeah, it just it, um, it it it's bothersome to me anytime I see politics use children as props in, in trying to move forward political actions. To me, that immediately says, I don't have a really strong argument on the face of it. I'm going to put all these children around me and make it about the kids. And then you're going to have to be anti-children if you oppose me, you know? (laughs) Really, you know, such cheap political theater. You know, whether you're for or against climate change, that is just low politics to drag a bunch of children around you. Well, well it, hey, uh, uh, read what it says on one of the T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to tell. Well, depending if you're looking on the cell phone, it says I will be 25 when the climate fate is sealed, or when my climate fate is sealed. Yeah, I mean, do they even understand what their climate fate is? I mean, some of those kids look like they're about eight years old. Eight or ten years old, do they really understand, you know, the, what their T-shirts are saying, and what do they mean by their climate fate is sealed? You know, I, I, I would love for Governor Kate Brown to come on the Bo's Nose Show and debate the science behind CO2-driven climate change any day of the week, Governor. I mean, some of the some of the claims about it are just outrageous, and this fear mongering that goes on um, around it bothers me. You know, it, it's you know, anytime you see people driving something as a crisis that's an unpredictable, off in the future type thing to put forward um, political change and legislation. Um, you really always got to ask yourself what's behind that because they they keep changing the goalposts with climate change. You know, back in 1990, they were telling us by the year 2000, if we didn't take action before then, it was going to spin out of control. And then the year 2000, it was by 2010. If we don't take action, if we don't do it in the next three years, we're going to do we're going to die. And that 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 goalpost keeps moving. Now we're in 2020, and, oh, if we don't take action in the next three years, our climate fate's going to be sealed, you know? They were saying that in 1990, 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, here's something that's even scarier, and I'll put this out challenge out to our listeners, is I've asked a few people recently, um, especially talking about Kate Brown's recent executive action, and the response typically was um, – what is cap and trade, especially in Oregon, and how does it affect me? Yeah, I would imagine there are a lot of people that don't know what it is. And, you know, they're being told, oh, well, we've done all this stuff that's going to make it easy on the rural areas. All they've done is slow the clock down for the rural areas in some ways. And in, And one of the things that they fail to understand is, even if you only make it impact the Portland area, that impacts the rest of the state. You know, if, if the carbon taxes are going to go into the Portland area, you don't think that a lot of our goods don't pass through Portland in some way, or that that's where they get that shipped out of, that, 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 that carbon tax isn't going to be involved in the goods and services and energy delivered to rural areas. If it's, if it's, taxed in the Portland area, you know, and then it's going to slowly spread down, the, you know, into Willamette Valley and places like Lane County, which, yeah, Eugene's not, you know, might be considered a metropolitan area, but the rest of Lane County is really pretty rural, you know, and those rural folks are going to get impacted more heavily than the urban folks because we travel greater distances, 
uh, a lot of what we're employed by is more energy intensive than than the uh, than the urban areas because we're involved in logging, mining, timber industry, uh, and farming. Which you know, you think about agriculture. What do you think they put in those tractors? You know, that you see going back and forth across fields all the time, and those hay balers and everything else, you know, you know, what do you think powers those pumps that, that irrigate the crops, you know, everything about, you know, what do you think goes into uh, making fertilizer? You know, a lot of energy, you know, your food is, is just converting all that energy into food that you burn in your body. You know, some, there's gotta be energy inputs to get that food energy output. Um, and, the cap and trade system is going to drive the price of all that up. And a lot of people, like you said, have no idea what it is. They just hear it's some way of controlling, you know, you know, it's supposed to benefit climate. When in fact, in the 2019 legislative session, there was a supporter testifying before the Senate committee that was hearing the cap and trade bill at time and uh, was asked, whether this would have any impact on global temperatures. And he had to admit, no, it would not. Because one, you know, the ability of this, this legislature to even lower carbon emissions is questionable because it does have this system where people can buy offsets. <laughs> so you're not really lowering actual CO2 emissions with this legislation. Secondarily, Oregon's such a small piece of the world's CO2 emissions puzzle, and, and the fact that human CO2 emissions, you know, are only a part of overall CO2 um, balance in our atmosphere naturally. You know, there, there's a lot of CO2 that goes in and out of our atmosphere um, from, you know, plants taking up CO2 to dead plants dying and releasing CO2 to volcanoes and wildfires releasing CO2. You know, humans are only part of that, that CO2 uh, issue. And Oregon's only a small little itsy bitsy piece of the whole human element of that. So, you know, this cap and trade stuff that could be so punishing to our rural areas economically is going to have no impact on the climate. So, you know, gathering a bunch of kids around and promising them that, you know, this bill you're signing them is going to prevent their climate fate from being sealed, which I would question whether they have a climate fate that's being sealed in the first place. If you want to argue the science, please call into the program at 646-721-9887. I'll discuss CO2, its absorption bandwidth, how it behaves in the atmosphere, what our most potent um, greenhouse gases in our atmosphere by volume and by ability to absorb and re-radiate infrared spectrum and a few other things. And we'll talk about whether or not tornadoes are increasing, hurricanes are increasing, floods, droughts, all that good stuff. All of it is, is you know, just politically rewritten science. And, and in fact, multiple scientists have quit the IPCC because of how it's been politically driven and have written about it since they quit. But of course, once they quit and write about it, they're shunned by that community and you don't see their publications because the folks that, that repeat the IPCC dogma um, will not repeat any of the folks that have, have quit the IPCC and accused it of being a completely unscientific body and um, purely politically driven. But I digress. <laughs> Getting back to the whole thing, you know, of, of the cap and trade system, all it's going to do is drive up energy costs and because almost every consumer commodity has some amount of energy in it, will also drive up all consumer prices with it in Oregon. And what you will see is the cost of living in Oregon going up. And when you look at rural areas, which have a tendency to have high, higher age demographics because, you know, it's getting harder and harder to get jobs out in rural communities because 
We've shut down the logging industry. We've shut down most of the fishing industry. We're not doing much mining anymore out here. And we're, you know, really not helping out the ag industry too much. Um, it's one of the reasons why farmers have such a high suicide rate, but that's a whole different subject. Um, we're getting the aging population in rural areas. A lot of that aging population is retired and on fixed income. And we've just put in a corporate activities tax, which we haven't seen the full impact in our state. And now we're going to add in making energy and all consumer items cost more through a cap and trade scheme. That's not going to do anything to change the CO2 content of our atmosphere or change the climate. I mean, the idea is somehow or another that government's going to be able to change climate is just pretty incredible to me anyway. How many things have you seen government actually be able to do? How long since President Johnson declared the war on poverty? 60 years ago? Pretty close. Yeah. You know, it, 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 have we cured poverty yet in the U.S.? Government spent billions and trillions of dollars, but we have not cured poverty in the U.S. So when we start talking about so the government somehow or another going to control our weather, which is ultimately what climate is, is, is aggregated weather, I don't think so. And especially not Oregon, you know, such a small piece, 1%, less than 1% of the country's population, you know, is somehow or another going to be able to control our climate. You know, and particularly, Oregon has a low carbon footprint per capita because we get most of our electricity from hydroelectric dams, you know, which is driven by the solar system, you know, solar uh cycle, hydrologic cycle of water, you know, evaporating to the ocean, blowing in on those nice westerly winds, raining down on the mountains and in the Columbia River Basin. And eventually we harvest that gravity driven solar cycle uh, in the form of hydroelectric. And uh, there's no carbon emissions in any of that other than the initial carbon emissions it took to build the dams. But, you know, that cradle to grave, Pretty, pretty negative on the carbon side, you know, as far as compared to other forms of energy. So we have a pretty low carbon footprint in the state to start with compared to the national average. Uh, so, you know, difficult to see how we're going to actually achieve what the governor wants. But the biggest problem I have is what she did yesterday violates the state constitution she swore an oath to protect and defend when she took her office didn't she go back and read it maybe article four section one item one legislative power of the state is vested in a legislative assembly consisting of a senate and a House of Representatives, period, end of sentence. No, except for when they can't get it passed, the governor is allowed to do it by executive action. That's not in the Constitution. Save us a whole lot of legal costs for the taxpayers, Governor Brown. Rescind your executive order, because I guarantee you there are people waiting to sue you and the state of Oregon over those rules because they are passed illegally. And you're going to spend taxpayer money defending those lawsuits. Save us a whole bunch of time and money within the executive orders. Do what you're supposed to do. Convince the legislative body to pass what you want. And convince enough of the legislative body that you don't have to worry about that other piece of Article 4, which is down in Section 12, that talks about a quorum of the legislative bodies. What the Republicans did is in the Constitution. What you did is not. I'm sorry. Rescind the executive order. Save us all a bunch of money. So, rant over. <laughs>
been such a cheerful Bose Nose show. We talk about communicable diseases and illegal executive orders. What more do you want? <laughs> Let's go on a lighter side a little bit here. I'll give folks an opportunity to call in first at 646-721-9887. Just press 1 to get in on the Bose Nose show. Again, 646-721-9887. Just press 1 to get in on the Bose Nose show. And you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. But I'm going to get to one of Robin's favorite conversations. She loves them. The crazy eights in Glenwood on Franklin Boulevard. Yes. Those big traffic circles that are kind of interconnected. You know, that, that crazy eight there right at Franklin and McVeigh Highway. They're planning to do, Robin, you, you counted them. What is it, like about six more of them? on the Eugene side of the river on Franklin Boulevard? Well, we have two currently, and I see at least three more on uh, Mississippi Avenue, Henderson, and Glenwood Boulevard. Yeah, that's it. that's on the Springfield side. I was talking on the Eugene side is planning them now. Okay, well, that used to be the Eugene side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the Springfield <laughs> side. The new plan that they just put out, which basically – starts down just over the river where the uh, I-5 ramp comes into Franklin Boulevard. They're talking about a circle there. So that's one. And then they start just doing circles the whole way down to get past the U of O. I think, what is it, a total of six? Now, so I'm going to see if I can find a chart on that. Maybe the whole point is, is that, that they're just going around in circles. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just, what is it about this, you know? I, I, I know it's like the, the avant-garde thing to do with traffic and all that stuff, but my goodness, people don't know how to drive through them. Um, they get confused. You see a lot of accidents. You know, it's just, it's amazing, you know, and, and it, I hate them when I'm using my, my turn by turn nav systems in my car, because Every circle you come to, even though you know you've just got to go straight through because the highway you're on, you're on for the next 10 miles, you come up that circle and they got to tell you, take the second exit, enter circle, take a second exit, and it tells you about nine times. And it's like, I know, I've got, just tell me, how, tell me when I've actually got to get off of this route, not how to get around the damn traffic circle every time you come to one. So can you imagine driving down Franklin Boulevard from downtown Springfield to downtown Eugene, you know, if you had your, your NAS system on as somebody from out of town, what that's going to be like when you're going through 10 traffic circles. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, in addition to that is trying to navigate through, I mean, they're not just circles. They're, you've got, uh, you, you come into the intersection, you have a pedestrian yield, you go a little bit further and you've got a uh, um, a vehicle yield and another pedestrian yield. Then by the time you think you're clear of it, oh, we got a little uh, twinge out there and somebody threw the curb in. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Robin, you want to check the call? I'm on it. Okay, thank you. And while she's checking the call, I'll just note that, you know, you know it'll be interesting to see how the plans come out because that's this is some draft plan they've just put out for the Eugene side of Franklin Boulevard. But you know, if we we end up with all these circles, um, Robin and I used to joke that um, you know, maybe this become the new gut. Um, where you remember once upon a time ago, they used to cruise muscle cars up and down Willamette Street when it was two ways, and they basically used to go from downtown Eugene all the way down to basically about 29th Avenue and turn around and come back and just do that Saturday night all day. To, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see if maybe Franklin Boulevard becomes a new gut because it'll make it e so easy to turn around. <laughs> you can, you could cruise just between two little circles and one little, you know, just keep doing that one area back and forth. Or you could do the whole thing from McVeigh highway all the way down to um, Alder uh, there or Patterson, whatever it is in front of uh, the U of O. And, and go back and forth through that section. Yeah, except for in today's day and age, it's not going to be uh, the old muscle cars that, you know, kind of had the rumbling engines. It's going to be those new rice burners you see on the Fast and the Furious, you know, going round and round in the circles. Uh, all right. Well, we have a caller here, and I'm going to bring her on. 
We've got Joe Ray on the line. How you doing, Joe Ray? Hey, I am doing excellent, Jay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, so how's, what, what's uh, on I'm, Well, I'm sitting up here in uh, in McMinnville, having a quick bite before we go to a candidate forum. But Robin messaged me earlier today about the good old COVID virus that everybody's freaking out about. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what you guys it, have all talked about, but yeah, it's it's a it's a a slightly more deadly virus than influenza, not as deadly as MERS or SARS. Um, so there, you know, it is something to have some concern about, and particularly that four out of five people don't know they even have it because they they're asymptomatic. So there are people so, that are out there spreading it. So. What I had heard, though, so that must be new data because <clears throat> the last that I heard, the last day that I heard, is that it was actually less deadly than the flu. Um, we're like on average 68,000 people die a year. Not that that's a minor number because it's not, and that's in the United States. Yeah. And so now they're so now they're saying that it's more deadly. Um, when you talk about mortality rate, and mortality rate is if you have that disease how what percentage of people that actually contract it pass away um flu influenza is somewhere between uh, a tenth of percent and, and and a half a percent so you know 0.1 to 0.5 and currently the covid 19 is running right around two percent um wow, mortality that's opposite, rate. So that's it, opposite interesting because that's opposite the numbers on everything that that i've read until today so that's different but this is the this yeah. is the thing is well, even I, when the normal getting, flu, huh? Yeah, that's what I'm getting from the public health professionals, and I'm also been on the WHO and and CDC websites um, trying to stay informed about this. So it's it's not something to, to diminish too much, but understanding that we don't freak out every winter because uh, you know sick like you said. 60,000 people die of influenza every winter, um, you know, we're probably going to see possibly maybe similar numbers of deaths from COVID-19 in the U.S., maybe more, maybe less, but we will okay, freak so, out over the so, uh, yeah, Right, so, yeah, so we shouldn't possibly, be so, yeah, because yeah, I've, I've heard about people going to, going to the store, they're wiping out the shelves of toilet paper, they're wiping out all of the, the hand sanitizer, and it's like, you know what? If you're sick, stay home. Yeah, yeah. The first, and, you know, yeah, that, don't, don't, don't be out in the public. Just like, but, you know, Jay, with the regular flu, people don't, they could be carrying it and be asymptomatic and be infecting people. They don't realize it. It's possible. Coughing, yeah. sneezing, et cetera. So it's just pay attention. Which is and, Cover your cough is, is one of the big recommendations. In fact, I went over the, yeah. what, what really is recommended, and what they say is 40% effective in preventing transmission is wash your hands because yep. hand washing with soap and water, not, not hand sanitizer, soap and water, it kills viruses because viruses are very susceptible to soap. So hand washing ah, okay. for 20 seconds with, with suds up your hands with warm water, is one of the most mm-hmm. effective ways to get rid of it. So wash your hands, don't touch your face, cover your cough, stay home if you're sick, and maybe practice some social distancing, particularly right. if, if, well, you're, if you're in those populations which they have de- determined are the most susceptible to dying from yeah. disease. Yeah, which is if you're well, elderly you know, or you have, have, have some of these compromised health issues like asthma or uh, other cardio and pulmonary uh, right. disease. Yeah, you, you, you just have yeah. to be careful. And so it's, but I think that people are freaking out too much. And as a candidate, I shake hands all the time. I'm always shaking people's hands. I'm extremely healthy. Um, I don't get the flu yep. shot. I haven't gotten it in, in over 30 years. If I'm sick, it's less than 24. It's normally no more than 24 hours. It's very, very rare if it's more than that. But people, people need to not be so worried all the time. Live your life, but be sensible um, yeah. out there. But don't cancel. Don't cancel your whole life. I think. But but I was just listening to a report last night that every two years during an election cycle, there's always some horrible thing that comes out. 
um, like the yeah. SARS virus and the Zika virus and the bird flu, and but they all go away. And as the weather warms up, the hotter weather, the warmer weather tends to kill those viruses. And so people just need to use common sense, just like we're always told every year. Cough into your arm. Don't cough into your hand. And use, you know, because then you're touching stuff. Um, yeah. And, and it's know, not necessarily so it's, heat kills the viruses um, because they survive uh, indoors, you know, where, where we heat our houses. What right, more or less right. kills the virus is the fact that, that we go outside and we're not confining ourselves as much to our houses well, in the summertime. Tends, yeah. Tends, tends, to, right. tends to have them die out of the population. They also, it, they also it burn. Yeah, you know, once once they infect a number of people, they become immune. It's a reinfection, so you don't see um, those viruses go through a bell curve in, in their epidemiology, and you'll see the number of cases rise and rise and rise, peak up and then, then taper off. And MERS and SARS uh, both uh, ran their courses in six months. Right, right. Expectation with COVID nineteen. Six months from now, right. it'll and be old news. It'll be gone. And but but what's interesting yeah. what you said is is in the wintertime, we stand we tend to stay inside. So what are they telling people to do? Think about this, Jay. They're telling people stay inside. But yeah. if you get outside, yeah, stay, it, you know, go go. I mean, that yeah. doesn't mean go out in the crowd. But indoor gas. Go on, go on your front yard. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but so, you don't so, want to keep reinfecting yeah. yourself. So. So yeah, I think. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where um, I think some of the reactions a little uh, over overdone, and other reactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the where I think we do need to take some real care is with our um, elderly facilities, like nursing homes and uh, right, and, right, and senior centers and all that, because right. that's the most right. vulnerable population. And I think, well, think that's, that's that, where that we is. Have. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, and absolutely. I was and again, it's it's common sense. Yeah, yeah, because they are going to start probably limiting visitation in those facilities, I'm encouraging people maybe to call their elderly relatives more often than they normally do, just so they right. don't feel so isolated. Yeah. Well, yeah, because otherwise they do. Otherwise. Well, thank you, Jay, for all the all the great work that you're doing there in Lane County. I know the folks and down there luck. appreciate it. That... Yeah. Well, good thank luck you. in your campaign. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and, and, it's, it's and, coming down. Pardon? What are you running? Time for your shameless oh. plug, Joe Ray. What's your, what's running for oh, and all that oh. website? So. Okay. All righty. Shameless plug. I'm running for the U.S. Senate to unseat Senator Merkley. My website is PerkinsForUSSenate.vote. And uh, for folks who don't know, I live in Albany, and I'm I'm a Main Street American. And uh, I know that I can then see Senator Merkley. It's time that we get some true constitutional conservatives back in Washington, D.C. to help President Trump. And let's get our country back, you know, keep it getting back on the right track and reduce some of the overreaching federal government regulations. And then go to my website, PerkinsForUSSenate.vote, and read on some of those issues. Great. Well, thank you, Joe Ray. And, and you know, good luck in your, in your run. And uh, Joe Ray used to be on KLBN Internet News Talk Radio, and maybe you'll be back soon. Who knows? Hopefully sometime in the near future. All right. Thanks. Okay. See you later. Bye, Robin. Bye. Hi, Joe Ray. Thank you. All right. Well, see, that's to control the topics here on the Bo's Nose Show. That's all you have to do is call in. And and Joe Ray wanted to kind of go back to the COVID-19 because she must have missed the earlier portion of the show. Um, and that's exactly what we like on the Bose No Show is folks to call in and talk about what you want to talk about because um, I can get boring probably. <laughs> so we only got about 30 seconds left here in the Bose No Show. So I'm going to wrap it up and just say wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, uh, cover your cough, don't touch your face, you know, stay home if you're sick, keep a little social distancing, we'll all be safe. And guard your toilet paper. Yes, guard your toilet paper. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Bo's Nose Show. I'll be back next week with another scintillating edition coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week. 